everyone. Thank you for tuning into Unapologetically Different Podcast. I'm your co-host, Key. I'm your co-host, Coach P. This is season three, episode 24. This is the season finale. Ooh, let's go. <laughs> That's crazy. Episode 24, the third season. I feel like time is flying by right now. It really is, though. How are you doing today, Key? I'm doing pretty good. I'm happy that we're recording our finale, so I'm really excited about this episode. How about you? Nice. I'm feeling great. I've been having an amazing weekend, just being committed to just being a contribution to people, and that just gives me energy, and I'm just lit right now, so I'm ready to get <laughs> into it. Um... So the first topic we're going to be talking about is a very polarizing one, and that's marijuana. So according to an October Gallup poll this year, 64% of Americans believe marijuana should be legalized. Every day, every night, all the time. So let's just break down the statistics a bit further, because this is really interesting. About 51% of Republicans expressed support for legalizing marijuana. And keep in mind, last year was about 42%. So that's about nine point increase in the percentage over the course of a year. And 72% of Democrats and 67% of independents also agree that marijuana should be legalized. So right now there's an overwhelming support for the legalization of Mary Jane. Well, I'm not surprised that there's an increase with among the Republicans. I think that's in part because they realize they have to be high during this man's presidency. <laughs> like, dead serious. <laughs> Shit is a catastrophe. <laughs> that is a huge statement. <laughs> huge. So, <laughs> um, so according to governing.com, 29 states and the District of Columbia currently have laws broadly legalizing marijuana in some form. So let's just get into some of these states in case some of our fans out there are are thinking about moving and just relocating. So uh, medical marijuana is broadly legalized in Montana, North Dakota, Minnesota, Arizona, New Mexico, Arkansas, Louisiana, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, Vermont, New Hampshire, Connecticut, New Jersey, Delaware, Florida, and Maryland. That's a lot. That's a long list. I need some water. <laughs> Can I get some water over here, please? <laughs> this mouth got parts. Like I didn't. I didn't expect it to be so many places. It's a lot. I yeah. mean, but it's for um, medical use. I'm surprised with Florida because the way they operate and the craziness that goes on in that state, I would figure it was like recreational use. Mm. But apparently, that's not the case. Um, and on the topic of recreational use the states that it's actually legalized in is washington california oregon nevada alaska colorado maine and massachusetts now i just want to know if sarah palin was high in 2008 when she said she can see russia from her backyard <laughs> that was like an epic line like that's one of those hit the blunt memes that you be saying like bruh <laughs> That's crazy. I'm not throwing shade. I'm just keeping it a honey. Remember when she made that comment? I was like, shooty, what are you doing? Yeah, that was hilarious. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) That's that's like in the Politics Comedy Hall of Fame. (laughs) Facts. Seriously. That along with a bunch of George Bush lines. Don't even get me started with that, dude. Um, So what is your take on legalizing recreational marijuana throughout the U.S.? Um, To be honest, I think that... I think it's fine if it's getting legalized. I think... 
things, policies, laws, they change. At one point, we believed that the earth was flat and that was just the general consensus. And if people think back, back to the early 1900s, there was a time where alcohol was uh, not legal. So people changed, public opinion on things are changing. And right now, public opinion is leaning towards the side that marijuana isn't a harm and it doesn't really cause as many problems as other drugs. So by legalizing it, I think it would be great because in general, there would be less of a war on drugs because there are a lot of people who, because of their marijuana use, whether it's using it or selling it because it's currently illegal, it really affects them in terms of just being victims of just the war on drugs. Well, you say a lot of people. You want to be more specific about that demographic? Especially African-American and Latinos. I was waiting on that moment, honey. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think overall um, people will be happy because they can do it at their leisure and not feel, like, nervous about it. But then I think in terms of that war on drugs, that's great that it's something taken off from that and kind of reducing it, so... And we did speak about war on drugs in terms of the 13 documentary in one of our previous episodes. So go on SoundCloud and YouTube um, and go check that out. I mean iTunes. <laughs> and go check that out when you get a chance. Also, um, if it is legalized in the U.S., what age do you think is appropriate to smoke weed? Because after they legal- legalize it throughout the U.S. as a recreational use, the next step is to have restrictions and apply um, age limitations or restrictions for that matter. So what do you think? Mm. I never really, they're not going to have you smoking weed at 12, bro. Right. I never really thought about Even it that way. Even though people are doing that. Facts. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> um, I have no idea. If I'm going to just say, I would throw the number 21 out there as well. Because same thing with alcohol. They, I guess the idea is that you need to be an adult to actually make that decision to drink. So I think just to keep it consistent, just throw it in there. 21, you buy your first bag of weed. It's lit. Happy birthday. Copy your eight. Um, <laughs> no, I don't really think 21 should be it because, like, if that's the case, then we need, and this is that conversation that we've had about legalizing alcohol at that age, but then you could go into the Army at 18 and die. Right, exactly. So to me, it's like if you could go into the Army at 18 and literally, like, give away your life for that matter, we should just start it at that age. So that you think it should just both of them be pushed back to eighteen for? Weed, I mean, might as well. For, okay. Like, why not do that? So I, I mean, alcohol is a completely different context right. when it comes to marijuana. I mean, granted, there are different effects for whatever you, you're you're using for that matter. But I just feel like if you're able to go into the army at eighteen, then you should be able to. If they're going to legalize it, you should have the opportunity to at least experience it at eighteen. And I think what needs to happen if we're going to enforce it throughout the U.S., if that does come about, is having the conversations of how to use drugs in school, like especially high school. There needs to be like maybe like a health class or something along those lines where you speak about the effects that, the cause, the pros and cons of using a particular kind of drug and the effect that it could have on your body. Um, so instead, like just like they should have sex education in schools, which some places do and some places don't. It's a lot of red tape and policies around that. But it's like if you have more of those conversations, then the youth are much more knowledgeable as to what they're doing and what they're partaking. And then opposed to they're listening to myths and it's like, well, that's not the case and that doesn't happen. So I think if they do have it at 18, which I think is a reasonable age, um, 
I think that they need to have the discussion in school as to how to go about if they do. And then also knowing what you're smoking because K2 is out and that's becoming popular and you don't want to get caught up with trying something that is not actual weed because K2 is synthetic weed and you end up dying or causing like health damages or whatever the case may be. So... I think there needs to be a conversation about these types of drugs in school, I think prior to when they plan to legalize it, or maybe at the same time. Yeah, that's actually a great idea, um, having that conversation, because just that awareness would just help kids and people just make better decisions. So I definitely like that idea a lot. Yeah. Thank Good you. One. I should when go, I can when I can get it should, done. You should go into policy. <laughs> um, mm. So what are some common myths you've heard about smoking weed? heard like you're lazy um not ambitious you're not driven um people sleep all day and people are less coherent they're not smart i've heard so many like myths about marijuana um so those are the common things that i've heard and i just think it's um i always question where these myths are derived from and because there are people who partake in those activities and they do not have that. It doesn't have that kind of effect on them. And there's different kinds of marijuana where there are some that actually don't make you sleepy and drowsy. And there are others that that do. And people are not aware of it, that there are different strands and they stand for different things. So um, I think the myths are very interesting, but don't believe everything you hear. Yeah. Um, what about you? It's pretty much the same things that you said. But I just think it's interesting that I think with everything, whether it's food, drugs, whatever you put into your body, it's people get affected in different ways. There might be like a, a default that's kind of consistent with everyone, mm-hmm. but for some people, they may smoke weed and it's like, boom, I'm knocked out. I need to go to bed. Other people, they just uncontrollable laughter. I've heard people who they smoke weed and they just can't stop talking. And then other people smoke weed and they just mute. They're just yeah. sitting and watching. So... I think it's with everything in life, it's we're all different, unique, and it's, and the same in a sense. But it's really you got to just see how it affects you if you yeah. were to do something like that and just get present to that. Like I think it's always experience is always better than just going by what what's put out there. Like when you experience something for yourself, you can make that assessment for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of being drowsy and tired <laughs> and being hot yeah or on something <laughs> so we're gonna be talking about ben carson ladies and gentlemen <laughs> um on monday october 23rd al green a texas democrat questioned the housing and urban development or also known as hud secretary ben carson at a congressional hearing on proposed hud budget cuts which approximately were going to be about six billion dollars with a b so <laughs> Ben Carson basically said that it doesn't matter if he doesn't have any experience in housing policy. And Al Green, in his series of questions, asked Ben Carson, how much is he going to cut from the housing vouchers? And for those of you who don't know, housing vouchers are needed for families that are in financial need. And it pertains to single parent and two parent households who do not make enough money to pay their rent, bills, childcare, groceries, and other necessities for survival purposes. So as a result, they need, they need housing assistance from the government. Roll the clip. Sorry, how much are you cutting from community block grants, Mr. Carson? I want to talk 
about... Mr. Carson, you don't get to talk about what you want to today. You get to talk about what I want you to talk about. You get to answer the questions that I pose, Mr. Carson. Yeah, but I That's also get to answer the question the way well, I want Well, you to. can answer them the way you want, but if you want to show a lack of knowledge, you can do this. It's quite all right, Mr. Carson. So now, how much from Community Development Block grants, Mr. Secretary? Again, I'm not willing to sit there and so go So you don't know how much from Community Development Block grants? I'm not going to go through the list this much, this much, and this much. I think that's I don't, not... I, I, I'll move on, Mr. Carson. I accept the, your lack of knowledge. Now, Mr. Carson, <clears throat> there seems to be a belief among the ranks of those who have opportunities to help others, who have been blessed themselves, they seem to think that the rich need more, that the poor can do more with less, but the rich will have to have more to do more. Mr. Carson, if poor people could do more with less, there would be no poor people. Poor people are not poor because they choose to be. I know about your state of mind comment, but they're not poor because they choose to be poor. Have you not noticed, just for edification purposes, and I'm sure that you're aware of it, but there may be people who are listening who are not. Black unemployment, Mr. Carson, is always, with some exceptions, about twice that of white unemployment. There are many reasons for this, but that fact has a lot to do with what people can do with money that they have and what they can't do with the money that they don't have. There are other factors involved in this country other than a state of mind. So um, we played a brief clip of the hearing. Please go on YouTube and check it out. Um, and check it out fully. It's five minutes long. It's amazing. Al Green practically ripped him to shreds. Um, within 20 seconds of it, I was twerking. I was like, yes, because <laughs> I see where the shade was going. It was like, all right. And it was amazing. And I loved him for it. He did it for the culture. Um, but do you think the experience is important for leadership positions like i.e. Trump? Um, we have him in office. He has no experience besides grabbing vaginas. And um, Sarah Palin, when she was running for VP, and she could see Russia from her backyard. So I just want to know, in your, from hearing this, do you think that leadership experience is required? Yes. I definitely think that... Why you pause, though? Because, to an extent, I feel that there are certain jobs, certain positions, if you don't have the experience, but you have the the characteristics and the like the skill set to to take the leadership role and actually learn it and manage it you can make it work but when it comes to something like the hud or a betsy devos when it comes to education yeah. i think that she another one too many people's lives are being affected by these type of critical positions that i wouldn't want someone who doesn't have the actual experience in these departments because this is managing an entire country. This is different than maybe someone coming into a startup environment for a, a job in, let's say, tech. They may have never worked in tech before, but they have leadership experience in a different industry, so those things can kind of translate. But when it comes to something like this, which is affecting hundreds of millions of people's lives, I, I think that experience is crucial and 
Yeah, so that's that's where the pause was. I kind of wanted to really think about how I was going to put that out there. I thought you were trying to be politically correct. Okay. Um, I think that Ben Carson feels very comfortable with his statement about not having experience because he has the Donald in office. And I think that he feels as if it's not necessary. And like you said, you made a very valid point. I'm not going to really go into it too much that... These are critical positions um, throughout the, our country, and it's affecting a large majority of people. You have people like Betsy and him in these critical roles who cannot even connect with the demographic they're representing. They don't even understand what is happening. They don't even understand how different things intersect, you know, in terms of intersectionality, in terms of race, gender, social, <clears throat> social class may have an effect with these people, especially pertaining to HUD. Like, you're cutting vouchers. That's primarily families of color. And Al Green spoke about it specifically in the clip, so please go check it out. Um, in terms of people of color, primarily African Americans, being affected by this huge cut because if they're relying on these vouchers. And it's not only African Americans that rely on housing vouchers. It's white people as well, you know? Um, so that's something that we need to be more critical about having certain people in these um, positions because... You are affecting a demographic that you cannot relate to. You do not even understand their struggle. You don't even get where they're at currently in their lives and how the circumstances, the surrounding circumstances affect where they're at and why these form of assistance are needed for them to get by and to be in positions like a Betsy or a Ben Carson to have those opportunities that they may not even have and to be afforded those opportunities. Um, so I think it's, it's really discerning that we have people like like him and Betsy in these positions. Um, and also, in your opinion, is Ben Carson detached from reality? I think he is. Um, no, I don't think he's detached from reality at all. I think he's a very smart guy. If he would, if he wasn't smart, he wouldn't be in the position he was in terms of his career as a surgeon. Um, so being detached from reality is far from the case, in my opinion. But at the end of the day, like you said, he has the backing of the president, and he's in this position of power. So I think he knows what he's doing. I think he knows the effects that it can have on people. But at the end of the day, that's it's not really affecting him. And he's, for his personal gains, like to where his status is now in his political, his young political career, um, I think he knows exactly what's going on. I don't think he's detached from reality in any way at all. I think he is detached because when you listen to the clip or well, watch it more so with Al Green and Al Green was asking a specific question pertaining to the budget cuts, he did not know. Like he could not answer the question and that to me was very troubling and that's why I was just like, you're detached from what's going on because Al Green even said, I'll give you the opportunity to turn to the people behind you and ask them. And you see the dude in the background ruffling through the papers really quickly and I'm like, so y'all cutting $6 billion dollars and you don't even know off the rip where that money is going and why you even cutting it. You there stuttering and stumbling and then you're going to say, well, I don't want to answer that question. This is not the form for you to say you don't want to answer this question. And this is a very important question to answer, like Al Green said, because he was like, I have to answer to the people that you're cutting these budgets on and let them know why it's happening. So you're making a huge mistake, like not huge mistake, you're making a huge decision. But then again, you're not really specifying what the decision is based off of and what the reasons are. And that's why I feel like he's detached from reality pertaining to the demographic that he's representing. Because if you truly understood why you were doing the budget cuts and you understood where that money was going, 
and you understood that this demographic was going to be highly affected, you would have came up with a better response. And that was his opportunity to say something and say, this is the reason why we're doing it. These are the alternatives we have put in place and make it seem like he knows what he's doing. The fact that he's going around in circles, shit, he was looking like he was high to me. Because I was like, bro, you can't get it together? Uh, I think that uh, I would much rather not respond to that. Um, pass the blunt. <laughs> um, so where do we go from here? If the $6 billion in cuts actually do happen, how do you think families are going to be affected? I think it's going to be... Honestly, excuse my friend, it's going to be a shit show. Um, if they don't have an alternative put in place as to what's going to happen with them having those cuts, I really do think that families are going to suffer, like, a lot. I, my, I guess my, my concern is for the ones that rely on the vouchers, to my understanding, I know in regards to New York State, they're ones that they're utilizing a voucher program. They are staying in shelters. Keeping in mind that the shelters that some of them stay in, they are staying in hotels that the government are actually paying hotel owners in order to have families staying there because they're literally running out of space. So my question is, if the ones who are affected by this cut, are they already going to be in, in a housing? Um, are they going to be in homes or are they going to still be relying on this shelter system? And if that's the case how much money is going to be put to maintain them into the shelter. So I don't know because I was expect. that's what I'm saying. I was watching this here and I was expecting an alternative. Like what is the next step? Like how are you going to find ways of assisting them? So I really don't know what's going to happen. I think it's going to be, if they don't come up with an alternative, a lot of families are going to be affected on a grander scale. And it just makes me question like, what other things that those families have to sacrifice without being that they already sacrificed it. Now, there are some people on housing programs and vouchers who they don't have to be on it. They actually are accruing income and they're doing well, but they decide to be on it. But then there are families on it who really need the assistance. They really need the help. And that's a whole other conversation, too, for a whole other episode. But I don't know what's going to happen. What do you think? Um... Again, I don't know what's going to happen as well, but for me, the biggest thing that I took away from it when I'm listening to this is that this is scary because Mm -hmm. one, we live in like an information age, which is so important and we have access to finding out about these things. But I know when we talked about Ben Carson in one of our past episodes and him being put into this position of power without the lack of experience. But this is like a perfect example of the aftermath of that. And you it, it's really getting me present to, as Americans, we got to just really be conscious and present to what's really going on. Because if someone didn't know this was happening, like $6 billion could just be cut from the housing budget, like right underneath people's noses. So I think just the fact that these things, we have access to these hearings and kind of following up and seeing what's going on and there's a lot of transparency around it. I think, like, especially for the people that this is affecting and the people that are just, like, passionate about making sure that these things are being handled appropriately, this was kind of really eye-opening for me because, like, you've got to know what's going on so we can reach out to politicians and calling your local representatives like, hey, we aren't supporting this stuff and... If that's the case, you're going to not have our votes. And I don't know what's going to happen if the $6 billion cut goes through, but 
I can see that it will definitely affect families in a very negative way. And, and the sad part is, like you said, I know there are people who are taking advantage of um, this government assistant who don't need it, which really sucks because, one, the people who do need it are being adversely affected even more. And then the, the people who are against um, government assisting just have something additional to point at. Look, there are people who don't even need this who are using it. So... Like you said, um, part of my friends, it seems like a shit show. So, yeah. Um, so, and just wanted to point out, Carson was infamous, infamous for saying on a radio interview that with the right mindset, individuals could pull themselves up if everything was taken away from them. Do you agree with that, the, the right mindset commentary, Key? Yeah, um, let me answer that. Before... <clears throat> so, Al Green did mention in the clip when he basically went off on Ben Carson... And he mentioned the right mindset. That's why he kind of like went into detail about how it affects certain communities and stuff like that. So that's kind of where we were pulling from. So like, as I mentioned before, check out the clip and you see how it ties into what we're saying. Um, I don't agree with the right mindset commentary um, because the way that it was stated and in such a way that it's like, everyone's afforded the same opportunities if you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That doesn't apply to everybody, you know, because... I may be able to persevere through certain things and certain obstacles in my life and want to move forward and make it. You know what I'm saying? Shit, Cardi B. (laughs) She's winning right now, bruh. And you know what I'm saying? So, like, that's a prime example. She persevered and now she is, like, doing really well. Um, So, but that's one example. That's an exception. That's not the rule. Um, And, like, Oprah Winfrey is another one due to her circumstances and now she's made it um like really made it it's like ridiculous and i'm really happy for her but we love you oprah we do definitely um the problem with that concept is that it doesn't apply to all people there are certain people out there who are able to persevere through their circumstances pull themselves up by that their bootstrap mentality and kind of make it and there are certain people who go that route and still don't make it you know what i'm saying like don't think that there are people out there who are just oh they lazy they don't want to work hard there are people who actually work hard put in the time the energy and they're not getting anywhere in life that doesn't make them less like less of a human or less of a person or um less than because they didn't go as hard as a person that persevered through what they had going on they made it so i don't think it's something that applies to all and i feel like we kind of need to especially when it pertains to the cuts as al green had mentioned and how it pertains to African Americans and how they're going to be drastically affected. Not everyone's afforded the same opportunity as Ben Carson, and to be in a position that he's in. And what what gets me even more, what what I find to be even more interesting, if, if Ben Carson was a radical, and he actually was an activist in some shape or form, and was like out there on some Black Lives Matter thing, you think Trump would have put him in charge of HUD? Hell to the nah. So he was a certain type of black person. That got that position. So let's let's take away from all oh, you got to pull yourself by a bootstrap. You got to work hard. You were afforded those opportunities because you played the game and you played it well. So that doesn't apply to everybody else. What is your take on that? Um. So my take on that, I personally believe mindset is probably the most important attribute that someone could have. I do feel that if you have the right mindset, that you can um, rise above whatever your circumstances are in terms of, like you said, examples like Cardi B, Oprah. Um, and I, I believe like that mindset is really what 
is going to get you to where you where you're gonna go in life because there are some people who are afforded all the privilege and have all the opportunities in life but they don't ever reach that level of success that people would expect and then there are people who were born with nothing like and they still make it to a certain level of success and so I think that mindset is literally what is going to be the determining factor but I think with that being said, that doesn't take away that there are certain people who are just at a disadvantage and there are certain people who have more privilege and more opportunity. Yeah. Um, but that's something that I is really personal and dear to me because I think what it means to be a human being nowadays is more resignation, cynicism, negativity. And I think when you have like a shift in that where people are thinking about possibilities. People are thinking that they can make things happen regardless of their circumstances, that for every no that you get, you could be excited about a no because that no is going to take you to the, the yes that you're looking for. I think that mindset and that way of thinking, which isn't really present on a overwhelming base right now, but there are certain people who do have that. I think that is what that mental fortitude is really what can take people to that next level and afford them some of like the biggest rewards. And I think, like you said, with Oprah, a perfect example of that. So, to to an extent, I I do I do agree with what he says about the right mindset, but I don't think you can take away the fact that the family, like what's happening now, the families that are going to be affected if the six billion dollar budget cut goes through it's going to be very dramatic and it's going to really affect them. And But again, at the end of the day... And it makes them... And, and also, when we tie it in, if you want to take it a step further, to mean to cut you off, mm-hmm. but it puts them at a more disadvantage. Yeah. Because now you cut this housing thing from them, keeping in mind what other things they're going to have to cut within their households, meaning that their children may be at a disadvantage to excel and do what they need to do. They have to stumble over an extraordinaire of obstacles just to get... Just to make it in life and just to kind of be in a position where they can take care of their family or just to survive. Yeah. So you have, when we kind of bring it back to what we were saying earlier, you have this man in charge in, in, in this position who is not experienced whatsoever, does have a disconnect from the demographic he's representing. Hence why, in my opinion, he's attached from reality. And now you're going to make a huge decision and you know nothing about what you're doing and the families that it's going to affect. And then it kind of goes against his his concept of being in the right mindset because guess what, Ben Carson? You put those families at a disadvantage, a more disadvantage than it was before by you doing this budget cut. So when it ties back to your mindset of pulling yourself up from your bootstraps, how can you tell it to those families when you were the cause of, of them really not being able to have the opportunity that they want to have to move forward and be in a position that you are in? I know I'm kind of taking it a little further and getting a little deep with it, but just think about it from that standpoint, actually stepping back from it and actually reflecting on it and observing how it ties into each other. And that's why with the mindset thing, I'm just like, it's not something, as I said before, it's not a rule, it's an exception, and it's very subjective. Yeah, I, and I get it. I 100% get where you're coming from, but I just think, like what I said earlier, in terms of the planet being flat, that was the norm and that was acceptable. I think um, people pointing to their circumstances as reasons why they're not getting the things that they want. I think that's what's the norm for human beings right now. And I think 
if we can get to a point where that shift happens, where people aren't pointing their circumstances as for what their why life isn't occurring the way it, they want it to, I think that will be that's that will take humanity to that next level and just create more happiness, more just prosperity for everyone. But that's just not what it is right now. And with that being said, because we gotta discuss like what the reality of the situation is, because that's not how people go about things these budget cuts they're gonna be wrecking families and it's gonna be again shit show <laughs> Acts. Um, so switching gears on october 17th keisha noir and gucci aka guap burr <laughs> um had their highly anticipated wedding on bet and congrats to the newlywed couple and we want to just wish them many blessings so we're not actually going to really discuss the wedding ceremony, but we will discuss a meme that was going viral in regard to the ride or die concept. And Derek Jackson had a very interesting take on it, and we're going to just pretty much paraphrase it, but we'll definitely post a video on our Facebook page, so you should definitely go check it out. He usually has some really intriguing and polarizing arguments about just things that are going on. But he said that, all you women want this, but what you forget is that Keisha was with Wild Gucci, on drugs Gucci, and out of prison Gucci, cheating on her, and publicly with other women Gucci. Y'all be ready to leave a man after a couple of fights, but she's a real writer. If you don't want a man at his worst, then you don't deserve him at, a, at his best. So please keep in mind, Derek Jackson paraphrased the meme that was going, out, yeah. going around. This was not stated from Doug Jackson. He had paraphrased it for obvious ignorant reasons because the way the meme was worded, it was not worded well. So just wanted to give us, give you guys a take on that. Right, right. He was basically describing what it said. Yeah. So make sure you head over to Derek Jackson page on Facebook to check out the full video. It is valid as hell. But more so, what got me bothered by it is that Keisha is not more or less of a woman for sticking with Gucci. It is her prerogative. What I can't seem to understand is, is why women have to endure all of the above to be worthy of a ring or to be considered a ride or die. Like, where they do that at? And it creates this us versus them concept. Us meaning the ones who have standards and refuses to deal with the bullshit. And them meaning the ones who feel the need to endure all of the above to be a true ride or die. So let's take it a step further. There's a double standard to this ride or die concept. Women are expected to be forgiven at all times, at all costs for love. But men do not do the same. There are dudes out there who will cut you off if you make a mistake. Keep in mind the mistake you may have done onto them is probably less hurtful than the pain or mistake they have caused onto you. And you know and you know what's funny too when you tell a dude or inform a dude in some aspects of how he may have hurt you from a previous encounter is... The common, like, response is, why are you always bringing up something from the past? But it's like, are you always bringing up old stuff? But it's like, bruh, it doesn't matter. Like, if it affected me in some capacity, I have a right to want to talk about it and discuss it. And one thing I did enjoy was Brittany Maddox um, highlights the validity around this ride-or-die chick concept in her article title, The Ride-or-Die Narrative is Too Often Cold for an Unhealed... Un I mean, sorry, let me repeat... The ride or die narrative is too often cold for an unhealthy kind of black love. She writes, um, the ride or die trope 
perpetuates male entitlement and oftentimes our society accept men who lie, cheat, and manipulate women they are romantically or sexually involved with. Women are rewarded for staying faithful in monogamy no matter how unequally yoked. Love that is non-reciprocal kills us slowly in its grips. So head over to afropunk.com to read the rest of the article. Once again, her name is Brittany Maddox. It's a great read, so check it out when you get a chance. So I want to get your take on it, you know. Um, do you think there's truth to the double standard of forgiveness among men and women? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, hmm. I think that, especially just in my own experience, that's one thing that could really speak to is... I'm surprised you agreed on this, because normally with the gender conversations we have, you want to... Yeah, guys are just more fragile in that regard when if a girl were to cheat on them it's like oh it's over and i'm done and they'll never they can never take that girl back where uh a guy will cheat on a woman and do it consistently but they expect the woman to come back or to still love them but they won't give them afford them that opportunity if they were to make a mistake and do the same thing. So I and I've definitely seen that and I've talked to friends about that. Like you are going off on your girl about whatever she's doing, like because she went to a party with her friends and she danced with other guys at the party. And I've had conversations like I'm literally we just came from a party together and I saw what you were doing and you're going off on your girl because she went out with her friends to have fun like so that double standard I think is really um it's definitely there without a doubt um and yeah it it's present I mean glad that you mentioned that but it's just like I guess my concern is where we're going to get to a point where it's not happening all the time where it's like women are not expected to be more forgiven than men I mean I've heard the conversation that it's inherent for women to be more forgiving, caring, and all of these qualities. Yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, I'm over that. Like, I'm tired of hearing that. It's like, at what point... I get that men are fragile for whatever reasons. And I understand that, in some part, that's just something that we need to kind of deconstruct as a society. But at the same time, it's like, we have these conversations. It's just like, at what point are we going to hold men accountable where it's like, okay, well... You know, it's not fair. To me, personally, I just don't think it's fair that a woman is expected to be forgiving and to kind of let go of different forms of BS dealing with a guy. But it's like when she makes a mistake on her end, and it's not even on the same magnitude, like, I don't even got it. Cheating ain't even it. Like, they didn't even get that far. Like, didn't even get to the same magnitude. Maybe just was kind of bothered by a situation and was really just at a point where she was fed up with a certain relationship or whatever the case may be. But it's like, why is it that her actions can't be forgiven wholeheartedly, but then what he does on his hand, it's just like, it's supposed to be expected that you're being forgiving. And I think we need to work better as a culture and as a community to reach a point where it's just like, it shouldn't be so much weight on a woman to do that. And also on that same article by Brittany Maddox, she, she speaks about it even with reality shows. When you watch, for those of you who watch Love and Hip Hop, the I don't know what the hell is going on, but I feel like a common theme is like side chicks or dudes being married or in relationship and they have a whole, like, they have a child with another woman outside of their relationship. And I'm just like, how is that? Oh, they have break babies. Like, you, and that to me, it's so interesting. Like, so if we break up for two seconds, you want to have go get somebody pregnant and we get back together and I'm supposed to endure all of that. 
But you rarely see instances where women are breaking up with their men. They're having a baby with someone during a break and a dude saying, I'll take you back with a kid. Like, those are far and few between. And I don't even understand why it becomes a common thread. And then what gets me annoyed, too, with these cases, like, are incidents that I may see through, like, or through Love and Hip Hop and stuff like that is the women that are on the side or what have you or the women that they're cheating with outside their marriage. Oftentimes... The wives are not going after their husbands or fight. They're going after the woman. And then I create, that's a whole other, I'm like, so you're going to fight her. And I'm not saying the women weren't in the wrong. There's some that they knew they were married. They knew of the situation. But the person you need to be mad at and you need to be fighting if it comes to that is the man that you was with or your husband or whoever he is considered to you. Because at the end of the day, she would not be partaking those activities if he was not influencing her to do so or encouraging her to do so. And then it, it becomes more of a divide among women and wonder why we can't have unity and come together and empower each other. So, I, know, I just took it a step further because I normally do that. But it's just, that's coming from with the whole Keisha Noir thing in the article, the Brittany Maddox article. I just feel like that's where we are at. And I just wish that we're, we could get to a better place where we could change the narrative because, I mean, it's going to it's gonna continue down to the further generation and future generations of women just endure everything and then men just kind of do whatever they want. So one thing, okay, you definitely hit a lot of valid points. I wanted to just kind of talk about two things. In terms of the, the woman fighting the side chick, I completely agree with that because I'm like, if I have a girl and my girl were to cheat on me, one, I'm not fighting anyone over that. I'm just going to just let that, I'd let it go. I'm fine. Like, okay, you weren't happy here. You chose to do that. I wish you the best of luck out there and hope you have a great life. But I'm not fighting the girl or the guy. But if you're going to be mad at someone, I would always say you should be mad at your partner because your Basically. partner is the one who chose to, to leave and go out there and do whatever they did. But then also, I get that there is the double standard, but who's the who are you saying that the onus is on to actually change this? Because I don't think there are guys holding guns to anyone's head to say, you have to stay here with me. I think that conversation needs to be had within the community of these women that are kind of falling into that ride or die and just maybe setting these standards setting these examples for the younger generation like listen if you're gonna be mistreated or you're not being loved you need to i think there need to be conversations about increasing that self-worth and that value no, to not true. really put yourself in that situation and i think by having those conversations um with the dads and the moms to their daughters yeah and just even the friends women just talking to their friends or whatever I think by having those conversations and taking those appropriate actions when those events do occur, that's what's going to change how the men are relating to it. Because if they know that there are women out there who are going to be fine with this, then... They're going to continue doing it. Right. But no, it's you're right. It's a matter of setting standards and saying, listen, like maybe if you're messing with someone or been with someone, they've hurted you and they've caused some kind of pain, not allowing them to be a part of your life and then just cutting them off like totally like and I think that's a conversation that should be had more so among young women and maybe that should be incorporated in school as well having those conversations about self-worth and self-esteem and having standards and not tolerating bs and being with someone who doesn't value you and feeling like you have to go through all these levels of obstacles and distrust and infidelity just for you to get that ring or that bet special of a wedding like 
that doesn't apply to everybody. Even if that's that one woman's route, that doesn't mean that that should be every woman's route. And it makes you question your self-worth and your validity. But I think it's very valid. And kind of going back to what Ben Carson said about the right mindset, um, to be honest, I can't wait till I have children because I, I want to actually... Really? Yeah, for real. Like, I can't wait to have a family and have kids and just impart just wisdom and just these certain mindsets and things because that's what I feel like is what really, again, creates your future. If you are being taught from a young age to value yourself, to have self-worth, to be have that mental fortitude to just go after whatever you want regardless of the circumstances, if every time you get knocked down, you have to bounce back up, I think those are the things that really will develop you into a powerful human being that can really make a difference in the world and just in your life in general. So I think these conversations that we're having and these examples that we're setting for children, that's that's where the real change is going to come because lots of times as you get older, people can really get stuck in their ways, but kids, they literally just absorb information, ideas, and knowledge and from Anything they see at home, exactly. which is very important. So you got to be that example and set those, and just impart that wisdom on them from a young age. So I think, yeah, I just wanted to go back to that. All right, cool. So we're going to switch grids from unhealthy relationships to talk about unhealthy foods. So Coach P dropping gems. Yeah, so today I definitely want to talk about, I want to give out some five tips for healthy eating habits. Um, there's been like a real increase in the number of people trying to live a healthy lifestyle and practicing clean eating, but this can be really confusing to navigate for a lot of people, especially because, going back to what I just said, our diets are usually put on us at a young age, and it's not even in our control. So we're just being fed certain things and we're creating these habits that we didn't choose them. They were just kind of given to us. Uh, so before I get into the tips, I do want to point out um, some facts. So according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, heart disease is still the leading cause of death amongst Americans. And living in the age of information, it's pretty scary that this could still be the case. About 610,000 people die of heart disease in the United States every single year. And just to put that into perspective, that's literally one in every four deaths. And so that could be really, that's, that can be attributed to just a combination of poor diets and then just the lack of physical activity. That's scary. Yeah. It, the numbers are really discerning. It really is, especially because there's so much information out there, but it's not changing the results that. We can have the access to it, but it's not really making that difference, just having the access to it. like So I think that shows we really got to apply the things that we know to really make that difference and get those results. Um, so with that being said, Hippocrates, who's known as the founder of medicine, he was a, he was born in 460 BC. You took it back, huh? Yeah, throwback. <laughs> throwback. All, all the way throwback. Before Facts. Christ. Uh, he was born in Greece. <laughs> All the way back. <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> um, yeah, Hippocrates was quoted on saying, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. So he was really onto something back then because food literally becomes the building blocks that really hold us together. So you really want to be smart about what you're putting into your body. So with that being said, the first tip is substitute the sugary drinks for more water. We may not, no Sprite? 
Yeah, no Sprite. That's a lot, bro. I love me some Sprite. And you know what? I love the fact that you mentioned Sprite because literally LeBron has a commercial. Like he's Sprite is one of his sponsors. Mm-hmm. And the entire commercial, the premise is, I would never tell you to drink Sprite. But if I see you thirsty, I'd ask you, want a Sprite? So he's basically saying, I'm not going to tell you to drink it, but if it's around, do you want it? Because obviously he's a superstar athlete who takes care of his nutrition, his body, and his mindset at the highest level. And he knows like what he's putting into his body is going to affect his performance. And he's all about optimal performance. So when I see that commercial, I'm like, damn, that's some good marketing. (laughs) I'll never tell you to drink it, but if it's there, you want it? (laughs) Like, so... Yeah, we, we may not even realize, but when we're chugging away at sugary soft drinks like soda, diet soda, fruit juices that oftentimes aren't even real fruit, so you definitely check the label to see what's the percentage of real juice in there. Um, sports drinks and energy drinks, it may not seem that bad, but when you really dive into it and look at it, it can be pretty startling. Um So one teaspoon of sugar equals about four grams of sugar. So all you got to do is look at the nutritional label of a packaging and take a look at the number of grams that's in there. And then you need to divide that by four to get the number of teaspoons of sugar that you're actually eating. So that's a lot of math, bro. And you know, damn sugar. And but it's it seems like a lot, but it's so like relevant and important because when I'm just give you a perfect example, a standard 20 ounce bottle of Coke has 65 grams of sugar, and the bottle said that it's one serving. So 65 grams of sugar actually equals about 16 teaspoons of sugar. If you really stop and did that, imagine you taking some tea, some, and you're making it into. uh, you're just dropping sugar in there, yeah. and you're gonna go and put 16 teaspoons into it. No one, no one does that. Mm-hmm. No one puts 16 teaspoons of sugar into their drinks. But well, we don't know, <laughs> so you'd be surprised, right? But it, like, I know what you but mean. But if you if you're sitting there watching somebody do yeah. that, it just would be like, whoa, bro, like, what's going on? Slow yeah. down. Yeah. But this is actually what's included in a standard drink, so we literally can drink our way to obesity. And as we all know, when you pack on those extra pounds, it could lead to a host of issues in your body, including heart disease. So that's the first tip that I wanted to point out. Um, Tip number two is variety is the spice of life. So this saying is so true, especially when it comes to food, because we want to eat a variety of foods and emphasize on the fruits and veggies and the easy way of thinking about it is that you want to get all the colors of your rainbow in your diet. So when I say all the colors, I talk about orange. So there could be carrots, pumpkin, sweet potatoes. You want to get your reds like apples, tomatoes, peppers, your blue slash purples like berries, raisins, grapes, plums, your yellows in terms of butter, Bananas, banana peppers, lemon, chickpeas, hummus. Obviously, your greens like broccoli, collard greens, bok choy, spinach, and even your browns like mushrooms, potatoes, almonds, dark chocolate, and so on. So the variety really makes a difference. And most people, when they think about food, it's it's all about 
oh, I need more protein or I need more fat and I need more carbohydrates. And these things are very important for us, but those are those are what we call macronutrients. But we got to also think about the micronutrients that we need. And the micronutrients are include vitamin and minerals. And some examples are iron, magnesium, zinc, vitamin A, B, C, and so on. And these micronutrients, those are things that we really need to supplement our diets with because our body expects that for us. And if we're not getting those things, that's what's going to cause that additional fatigue, just muscles deteriorating or just bone density not being as strong. So there's just so many things that you really want to focus on. Obviously, fats, proteins, carbohydrates are something important to take a look at, but you really want to get that variety so you're getting all your micronutrients, all those vitamins and minerals. And getting those from real food is so much more important than getting them from those supplements because sometimes those supplements may not really sit well with our body or may yeah. not be doing anything for us because they're not real. They're synthetic, kind of like when you went back to the K2. Mm -hmm. Like you want to be putting these real substances that the earth is providing us with. So tip number three. Eat real foods and stay away from the processed foods. You want to put real foods in your body. And when I say real, I mean food. So no oodles and noodles? Oh, man. I love... It's like 3 for a dollar at A&P, though. Like, I'm going to need you to get it together, bro. I'm, I'm... Oh, my God. I grew up on oodles and noodles. I'm like, still eating oodles and noodles. So I ain't about growing up. I'm still eating that joint. I'm not going to lie. I kind of upgraded to, to ramen now. Like, I love going out to, to like, a... Japanese restaurant that ordered some ramen. That's so You're good. Fancy. Yeah. Go ahead, Ben Carson. Now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but see, for me, I love me some carbs. I'm not. I don't really care about like the sweets and the cakes and stuff. I'm like, oh, that's nice. But you come, you bring a plate of spaghetti and meatballs, some ramen, some pad thai, Thai food. Like those carbs. That's. I'm just drool my my mouth is like drooling just thinking about it. But right if now. you can't afford to go to the ramen shop all the time to get it, and it's more accessible and more and it's cheaper from the community that you live in, what is your response to that? So just to be clear, the ramen, the Thai food, my spaghetti and meatballs, like just pasta because I love it. Those aren't the best quality foods, especially because, like I was saying, there isn't that variety. Those are just really high on the carb intake and it lacking that fruits and those veggies so for me that stuff is like my cheat food and and my feel-good food so that i'll indulge in those every now and then but my response to in terms of just having access to the quality foods in terms of pricing especially like if you're in a, a just like a community where it's you might be in an underprivileged family or just a community where you don't really have access to that stuff it's not a sexy answer, but it's what I believe. But essentially, I think we need to have a shift in terms of prioritizing our health and well-being for just long-term longevity. For me personally and my family, like when growing up, we didn't have that much money growing up. And me and my brother shared clothes and even sometimes shared clothes with my dad. And But my mom always prioritized buying good food and cooking the food yourself instead of really going out and having fast food. We'd have fast food every now and then, but she was always cooking because she was very conscious about wanting to put good food in us and being healthy. So I think um, for us, 
I didn't have a lot of material things growing up because the priority was on putting a house over our heads, uh, having us a place to sleep, and then eating good, real food, getting our education, and then what was left over went with toys and clothes and things like that. So I think there needs to be, a again, back to that mindset shift that we need to really focus on spending our money on things that's going to really empower us to be the healthiest, happiest version of self, which means buying more real foods like fruits and veggies and cooking our own food opposed to going for the fast foods and the the cheaper foods like the packaged food and the processed foods like the ho-hos and the ding-dongs and things like that. And, and in terms of shift as well, I think there needs to be a policy shift because right now in the United States, fast food is just like at like an all-time low in terms of pricing. Like you can get something from Burger King, McDonald's for like a dollar. But then when it comes to getting real fruits and veggies, you have to pay more for that. So I think it needs to be a shift in terms of people's priorities, in terms of getting the good stuff and making sure that's important to them and where they're spending their money versus other material things that may not really affect your overall health and well-being. And then a policy shift in terms of the government just making these foods more affordable for people because that can be the case. But these big businesses, they have a lot of the power right now. That's why they can have all this advertising power and then these these things are cheaper here. No, I think it's very valid um, that you mentioned that in terms of prioritizing. But also keeping in mind there are people that are in lower income communities and you know, it's easier and cheaper to get the oodles and noodles. It's three for a dollar. Like, yeah. you know, that's like three meals. Tell and me. Then opposed to you going to a ramen shop and it's going to cost you money, then opposed to, and and not even just that, but like, it's really, there is need to be a price shift because I like to eat salads. I go to Just Salads. I enjoy their salads, but it's literally like $10 a pop. Mm-hmm. I know I could go to McDonald's and I could get a whole meal for like three, four dollars. Right. And I just saved seven dollars and that could have go towards another meal. So it's easier said than done, and it is unfortunate that, you know, like, to eat a salad, or even if you buy salads in a supermarket, like, say instead of you just having it made, and you actually go get the lettuce, the tomatoes, the onions, and all the stuff that you may put in it, that may actually supersede 10 more than $10, and it's just like, and you're able to get, like, what, three, probably three solid salads out of that, like, you know what I'm saying? It costs money, and for people who are at a disadvantage and they don't have that kind of money... It's easier and cheaper to get the low quality foods that are going to lead to like that's going to have more of a detrimental effect on their health because it's more convenient. Whether they prioritize or not, it's like, you know, I understand what you're saying in terms of prioritizing, but it's like reality is it's like if I could just spend like $40 feeding my family off of cheap foods. I just, then opposed to spending up to like 150 buying healthy foods, I didn't like save a large sum of money or not even 150 up to $100. Like I just saved $60 that could have went towards something else. That could have went to, towards childcare. That could have went towards buying clothes to put on their children's back. So it, it does need to be a price shift. And I think that's something that we need to get into further in another episode because it is a, it's a very, it's, it's a very touching subject because it's not something that's applied to everybody. We have to keep in mind that everyone's afforded the same privileges. You're in a position in your life where you can go to the ramen shop and purchase those things and you don't necessarily have to succumb to getting oodles and noodles, but there are people who are not at that point in their life and it's like, if this is cheap, this is working out, I'm just going to get it. Yeah, 
but again, I, I think in the, definitely valid. I just think we we need to really get that shift in terms of pricing policies in the government, but then also in terms of just in the homes prioritizing that real food because the statistics are literally right there in, in big black and white. One in four of the deaths that are happening are because of heart disease. Mm-hmm. And so we got to really be present to that. I think a lot of times people don't really focus on long term we were always thinking about right here right now in this moment yeah so we gotta i think there has to be a focus as well on just how is this gonna affect me in the end and then in terms of just cost a lot of people are staying a lot of people are actually spending way more money on than prescription drugs and actually trying to take care of their health because of these health issues that they're having so i think spending a little more money in the front end to to kind of promote that vitality and health is going to save money on the back end in terms of prescription drugs and just doctor visits and a lot of these things that kind of show up and it's normal because of like the higher levels of obesity and just disease that kind of happens because of our habits. So yeah. Um, so just to kind of just go back to the tip number three, the eating the real foods, you want to really stay away from the processed food. So that means just staying away from stuff that's coming in a box, uh, bottles, packaged foods. And you want foods that don't have a lot of random ingredients that you can't even really pronounce or read. You want those foods that are going to have the ingredients that are just pretty just straightforward. Like you want five ingredients or less and you want to be able to know what it is. And I guess an easier thing is to try to stay away from deep fried food and just... Stay away from the fast foods like the plague if you can. Um, So tip number four is meal prepping. I think meal prepping is a great way to ensure you're getting that good nutrition and you're taking control of the food that you're putting into your body and not leaving it to chance. For me personally, I like to actually go meal prepping on Sunday. I'll spend a little bit of extra money at the grocery store to have my fridge stocked with some fruits, vegetables, and good food and then actually prepare that those meals on Sunday that way I could have them throughout the week. And this way I'm making sure I'm getting that good quality stuff for me mm-hmm. and I spent a little money but then ha- making enough of it that I stretch it out across the week where again you're spending a little bit more money in the front end but because you have these things already set in place you're better equipped to go about your week knowing you're going to get that good stuff in you that's going to just increase your performance and protect your your vitality for the long run. Um, And lastly, tip number five in terms of eating healthy and eating clean, I love the 80-20 rule. And it's all about changing your eating habits. So you can essentially make good choices 80% of the time and then allow yourself to indulge in those things that you may know aren't the best for you, but this way it's not like an all or nothing. So whatever that means for you, if it's having that ice cream on Friday after a long day of work or just you want your that slice of cake on a Sunday before you while you're watching the game or whatever the case may be. Or for me personally, loading up on some pasta because I'm a big carb person, like I said before. Um, that 80-20 rule allows you to just really make a priority in terms of eating healthy 80% of the time, but then for that 20%, you get to really indulge in what you like. So you're getting, for the most part, you're watching what you're doing, but then you're still getting those things that you want. And 
I just want to caveat all of that by saying you just need to be aware of your body and how things actually affect you because there are some people who are allergic to certain fruits and just different types of foods and it's always better to to just be conscious of that. Some people work better when they're eating more fatty foods. Other people need a lot more protein for their lifestyle and other people just feel better when they're eating more carbs. So I think we're all different, we're all unique. So you, it's really about just being conscious of when you're putting something in your body, really just kind of just seeing how you feel. Like if you just ate a meal and it's just like, you're, it doesn't sit well with you, you gotta be aware of that because your, your body's giving you this yeah. output and giving you these responses and mm -hmm. letting you know, hey, this might not be the best thing for you. So really be aware of that and make those decisions based on that. Oh, that's good. And I appreciate you dropping these gems. I think it's very important, especially in regards to meal prepping. I think that's become like a phenomenon. Now I've seen people who meal prep and they post it online and mm -hmm. some of the meals look really good, um, very healthy. And some of them I come across are like, high content of vegetables i'm not a huge fan of meal prepping because i'm gonna be quite frank i don't like to eat the same thing like more than two days yeah. and that's just me and then also i'm just not into like structuring my week like that like it's one thing to cook on sunday and have something to have for monday even maybe tuesday to stretch it along but i'm not really big into like doing the whole meal prep thing but to each their own i do supplement certain things like I get like by my job, which I think it's great. You get five bananas for a dollar. Mm. So I and I love bananas. So I'll like get something like that in the morning, like like it's breakfast. Like I'll have a cup of tea, I have a bowl of cereal. I'm not a huge breakfast person, so I have a cup of tea, a bowl of cereal, and I'll get the bananas and eat them throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And then like lunchtime will come. I may get a salad if you know if I'm able to splurge that day because just salad is like ten dollars a pop, as I mentioned before. Um, I really do like eating salads because after I eat them, I am full. Um, and also, I don't feel lethargic. I yeah. feel energized, which I think is important. Um, but if I'm not able to get a salad, I'll probably get something else that's like less expensive, like a Subway sandwich is kind of my go-to on being healthy, but not so much because all the bread. But um, that's kind of how I do it. So I kind of mix it up. I'm Like I said, I'm not really heavy into meal prepping, but I'll do other things yeah. to ensure that I'm getting my vegetable and um, fruit intake. Even like last night when I was at work, um, I ended up getting like two avocados, which was $2, and um, two um, bananas, and I had a cup of tea, and that like held me down all the way. I had it for like around 6, and that held me all the way to like 10 o'clock when I went home, and of course I ate, but I ate late. So, but I'm just saying, like, I do find ways of supplementing those things, even though I'm not a fan of meal prep. So, um, Coach P provided some really great tips. Um, and if you're not a huge fan like me of meal prep, try to supplement it and all the other tips that he's mentioned with fruits and vegetables. And these fruit stands are, some of them are really inexpensive and they're really good. So you could get like a lot of fruits for like cheap prices. So definitely try to do that when you can. Yeah. And I love that. Well, Two, two quick things. I love that you mentioned avocados. I'm a huge fan of avocados. Huge. Huge. <laughs> very big. Um, They're expensive, though. It is, but it's so good, and it's filling so because it's healthy fats, and your brain is fat. That's basically yeah. what your brain is. So when you're putting those healthy fats, like avocado, like walnuts, like chia seeds, flax seeds, that stuff is going to just optimize you and just make you get the highest performance but then also 
in terms of everyone being different. See what works for you. There's never it's never something set in stone. So you gotta look at your life and see what's working for your life and just apply it that way. So I just kinda wanted to bring that back out there. Um and so to let you know, moving forward, I will reframe from eating the oodles and noodles three for a dollar from A and P and try to find alternative methods. But um yeah, I walked away with that. We should we should we should make our own noodles one day. I mean, we could try. We could do that. <laughs> that would be kind of Have good. a little Jamaican spice in there. Give a little Ooh, something. Turn up. <laughs> All right. Wow. That's the end of season three. We did it. Um, Coach P, thank you for sharing this journey with me and for believing in my vision. You are the real MVP. No, seriously. Literally that night that we kind of just had this conversation about the vision and creating it. I'm not going to lie, it was scary, a little apprehensive. Scary because, shit. Yeah, it was something that neither of us had ever done, but um, I'm so happy that we're doing it, feeling self-expressed, and just trying to put, just putting ourselves out there, just sharing our thoughts and opinion, and then if we can add some value to people's lives, like I think that's what it's all about. So thank you so much. You're amazing. I love you. Thank you. Love you too. Um, so once again, thank you all for tuning in. Follow us for our latest updates on Instagram at underscore unapologetically underscore different. You can reach us on Twitter at unapologetic underscore underscore D. And you can also search us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes by searching for unapologetically different. Stay tuned for season four. It's definitely going to be lit. Bye.